0: Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia. I am the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a newsletter in Florida where we explore the ways uh, big businesses and other special interests influence public policy uh, in this state. This is going to be uh, just a short daily update from day 44 of the Florida Legislature's 60-day 2024 legislative session, and we're going to start off with a with a couple of what I think are are, are really good and important ideas, uh, but both of which are sort of hanging in the balance right now as. Lawmakers in the House and Senate are getting ready to finalize a state budget over the last couple of weeks of session here. They involve um, the state's school readiness program, which is one of the one of Florida's most important uh, safety net programs. It it essentially provides uh, subsidies to help very low income people pay for child care, daycare and preschool Um It's for folks that uh, that could not work without having child care support, but who don't make nearly enough money to be able to afford child support or child care on their own. And so the first of these bills is House Bill 929 and this uh this does a couple of things to the school readiness program. First, first it increases eligibility and and without getting too much into the weeds, it takes it from essentially the the program is open to folks generally open to folks making 150% of the federal poverty level right now, it would change that to 55% of the state median income level. Um and and so what does that mean for for a family of 4? It means you can get you can qualify for school readiness support um, right now if you're making a little less than fifty five thousand dollars a year. again, that's that's for a household of four people. this would this would boost it to almost fifty seven thousand dollars a year. so it'd add a couple of a few thousand dollars of income eligibility and what does that actually translate to it would actually it would add about 10,000 children in, across florida to this program which currently serves about 210,000 kids overall so that's about a you know a 5% increase it's 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 not huge but it's significant um the other thing this bill does is that uh, it increases the payment rates for Preschools and daycares and other childcare facilities that participate in the program that, that essentially accept folks who are paying with with these school readiness subsidies. And this is designed to get more and higher quality providers into this into this program, which is important because, you know, one of the things everybody understands is early childhood education is critical to, to development and sort of to combating sort of structural and generational poverty. Um so so this this program, this house bill nine twenty nine really does sort of expand the school readiness program in in some in some meaningful ways. And then there's a second bill, um House bill twelve sixty seven and we we've talked about this one a bit before, but one of the challenges with uh, with this particular program and other safety nets is what folks will call a uh, benefits cliff. And so just to illustrate in the school readiness program, this is done as a copay, almost like insurance. You you know you pay a small amount for of, for towards your childcare provider, but the the state covers the rest. You essentially get this large subsidy, but that subsidy just uh, shuts off completely if you if you rise above those eligibility thresholds. And so, this creates a situation where. Um, it becomes a bad thing to get a raise or to get a promotion because you lose your you you lose your child care support. You 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 know if you you might get offered a job that your income might go up two thousand dollars, but your child care costs might go up ten thousand dollars, and and you can't work if you can't afford child care, right? So it it creates these economic distortions, these these benefits cliffs where folks will actively avoid seeking higher paying jobs or or promotions or raises because of the fact that it would it would make them worse off. So this is where House Bill 1267 comes in. It would create this kind of supplemental program. They're they're now calling it the school readiness plus program, I think. Um and it would it would change that cliff into a ramp. Essentially, as you rise above these these eligibility thresholds, instead of your subsidy just shutting off, it would scale back. So you so you you don't just sort of lose everything all at once, and you're never you never actually are worse off. You always are are encouraged and incentivized to continue progressing economically and making as much money as you can, and and sort of getting off these programs if you can. Um, so these are both like uh, they're great ideas. Um, the the challenge is they're they're expensive. So the these two house bills essentially would spend about two hundred million dollars on these programs. So that's like it's a it's basically. Uh, Seventy-five million dollars to cover the expansion, so those extra ten thousand kids. There's another hundred million dollars to to tackle the waiting list for this program that exists, and then there's another roughly twenty-five million dollars for this this school readiness plus program, this ramp at the end to to address the benefits cliff. Um, and as far as I can tell right now, only the the Senate only has about twenty-five million of these two hundred million dollars uh, in the uh, in in its budget and legislation right now. So that that, that these programs this is like i said this is hanging in the balance in the budget uh, in the budget debate and so it'll be really important to to sort of watch that and hope to see the the senate come up to match some of this stuff um you know and and these ideas um also one point i know i i swore to god i wouldn't talk about tax policy but it, it's important to note that uh as expensive as as this sounds 200 million dollars to expand this like really important and valuable uh uh, safety net program that both supports workers and supports businesses who uh who uh can find more workers and don't lose workers produ- don't don't suffer productivity losses when workers can't come to work because of you know childcare needs or ch- childcare crises um you know 200 million dollars that's a uh, that's Less than what the House uh, the House Republicans want to spend on a tax cut for businesses by cutting uh, the the sales tax businesses pay when they rent property. So, it is expensive, but uh, it's not as expensive as some of the other things they want to do. And it, it's just a question of priorities. Um, and so, one of the things uh, that is interesting about this is, as near as I can tell, this this support for the school readiness program and this this push to to expand it and address those uh, those those benefits close comes from the Florida chamber of commerce, which is one of the state's main big business lobbying groups. The, the chamber um, who, you know, Lord knows I've had my disagreements with over uh, on a number of issues. As far as I could tell is, is the, is spending some genuine political capital to get this across. They're showing up there. They've been providing research that shows just how much employers lose in productivity to, to when employees are having challenges with childcare. Um, you know, so, so, that that's great. Good good for them. I I uh, I was uh, actually prepared to make this episode sort of a uh, you know kudos to the Florida Chamber of Commerce. You know, um, uh, but then I saw a couple of uh, a couple of other bills that I I decided to talk about today that are also moving. And these are both of these moved forward yesterday. Um, House Bill fourteen seventy one and Senate Bill seventeen forty six. And and what makes these bills important is they are. Essentially, follow-ups to uh, an enormous union-busting piece of legislation that the Florida legislature and Ron DeSantis uh, passed last year—that was Senate Bill 256. Um, we have talked a lot about this uh, Senate Bill 256 and just sort of how grotesque it was. Um, but the 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 very short summary is: it both made it much harder for uh, employees in public sector unions, most public sector unions, it made it harder for them to pay dues. But then it simultaneously required more of them to pay dues if they want to keep their unions. It was like really a, it's a diabolical piece of legislation. Um, and what made it made it sort of even worse is uh, the Republicans and the the billionaire back conservative think tanks that that really pushed this law and the Florida Chamber of Commerce all kept uh, pitching it as like they, they even called it the, the Paycheck Protection Act, like it was a. Uh, like It was good for employees. The, the One of the Republican sponsors kept talking about how this was designed to bring unions and union leaders together to make them communicate more, um, which, of course, was a lie because they made sure to exempt all the unions that support Republicans. They exempted police, fire and prison unions um, from this. So if, if this was good for employees, you presumably would want to it, you would want to have it applied to police officers and firefighters and prison guards. You wouldn't punish them by excluding them from this law. And of course, the The point of the law was not to help employees; it was to bust unions and and rob them of collective bargaining power. And so, anyway, to bring us back to House Bill fourteen seventy one and Senate Bill seventeen forty six, these these bills essentially expand that. Not the the bills themselves are not bad in that they they tweak a couple of problems that were created these procedural problems. They smooth it out. What makes them them sort of gross is. They, they further expand the exemptions because the police and firefighter unions that all supported this law turned around and, and realized, oh, look, we screwed a bunch of our friends and colleagues. So, so now they're coming back to, to add 911 uh, dispatchers and paramedics to these exemptions too. So none of these, these 60% provisions, these the, the ban on paying dues through, through paycheck deductions, that won't apply anymore to paramedics and 911 dispatchers. And you know, in one sense, good. It shouldn't apply to any of these public uh, sector unions. We should be encouraging folks to union and uh, to to unionize, to collectively bargain for better pay and benefits. Um, but on the other hand, it again exposes the lie that this was ever supposed to be good for workers anyway. They keep carving people out for their friends. you know this is this is a really gross piece of legislation. and and as I mentioned, the Florida Chamber of Commerce was one of the big groups that lobbied for Senate bill two fifty six. So uh, yeah that's going to stop me from giving them a full on attaboy just because they're, they're being helpful on the school readiness program right now. You know, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I wouldn't say that the, the Florida chamber of commerce is an economic terrorist organization, but you know, I'm probably not going to defend them against somebody who does, Um, you know, it'd be nice. How about we just help workers rather than help a little bit over here and hurt a lot. And, and just to, to, throw one last point on this. You might be wondering, why does uh, why do a bunch of private employers care about public sector unions? I mean, we're talking about teachers and custodians and bus drivers and you know uh, municipal utility linemen, that sort of thing. And that's because there are spillover effects. When you have higher rates of unionization, wage levels and benefit levels go up. And even if that's happening on the public side of the equation, that puts pressure on private employers to match this or else they start risking, they lose employees to these public employers. So this is all about driving wages and benefit levels as low as possible. And, and sort of speaking of doubling down on destructive mm-hmm. legislation, the last bills we're going to talk about today are House Bill 1451 and Senate Bill 1174. Both of these moved forward today, too. And they are, um, just like those union bills, a follow-up onto one of the more uh, grotesque bills that passed last year, and that was Senate Bill 1718, Um this, you will probably remember, uh, it got a lot of attention. This was one of the most anti-immigrant bills we've seen go through a state legislature in the country. I believe, um, it did, uh, a whole pile of things that were all just designed to make it harder to, to survive as an undocumented person in Florida. It did things like it invalidated driver's licenses that were issued by other states. It required hospitals to ask patients about their immigration status. It, um, it even, it even, uh, prohibited, uh, undocumented immigrants who have attended for uh, attended and paid and passed law school from taking the bar exam just like completely just just a punitive move for no other reason other than to be you know an ass about things um and of course it put a bunch of funding into ron desantis's uh, infamous immigrant kidnapping program where he goes to texas and rounds people up and then sends them to martha's vineyard or california um you know uh what these bills. So so one of the other things that Senate Bill 1718 did is it uh, prohibited local governments, uh, cities and counties across the floor from providing any funding to community groups uh, or nonprofits that issue what are often called community IDs to undocumented folks. So it, it basically is a way to try and get IDs to folks. So both. So it makes things easier for them to just sort of function in society, but also it creates uh, safety for the rest of us by, by helping make sure we know who folks are, right? Um, but House Bill 1451 and Senate Bill 1174 would expand Senate Bill 1718 from last year by, um, by not just prohibiting funding, f- local governments from funding groups that, that issue uh, community IDs, but it would prohibit them from even recognizing community IDs. So it is designed to make any community IDs issued by these nonprofit groups utterly worthless. They they can't be used as id if you show up for something with your at your local tax collector or something like that. You know. And what's what's sort of like maddening about this is the the sponsor of this can't even bother to be consistent with their talking points. So the uh sponsor of the house bill yesterday, she even said like she was sort of running through her, you know, regular talking points about the the evils of, of immigration and uh, illegal immigration. And, and she talked about how, like, we have so many people coming here and we have no idea who they are, which is the entire reason you give them community IDs. It is a safety issue for the rest of us. Um, but of course, you know, none of this Anti-immigrant posturing is actually about safety, and it's certainly not about solving the issue, which has uh, become clear sort of the way things have played out in Washington, D.C. recently. Um, You know, it's just about being as performatively cruel as possible to undocumented people. So you can you can pretend like you're a bunch of tough guys who who care about an issue that people are worried about without actually making any real effort to solve it and just continuing to profit off it politically. It is this is some of the most cynical stuff we see in all of politics and, and the other thing is it's not consequence free, right? Because if the goal is, uh, you know, one goal, one result of this, sorry, is it drives folks out of Florida that, that have come here to fill jobs that most folks don't want. Like we're talking about backbreaking, low paying work in construction and, uh, in particularly in agriculture. In fact, Politico, uh, Florida had a really interesting story last week, um, that sort of started to quantify some of the impact Senate Bill 1718. And most of this was built around sort of the the healthcare stuff, because again, it one of the things this uh, this Senate Bill 1718 did was require hospitals to ask about immigration status, which is designed to to scare undocumented folks from even seeking healthcare in the first place. Right. And so, you know, for instance, there was um the head of a of a Healthy Start coalition here in Central Florida where I am, who said, uh, she has seen uh, at least a ten percent decrease in the overall number of uh, uh, migrant, pregnant migrant women seeking treatment, even in emergency situations. And then there was um, folks at the the consulate in Me- of Mexico, um, which has for years offered a program offering free healthcare to migrants from all over the world, um, said the number of patients accessing free mammogram services has fallen eighteen percent since this law passed. You know, and so that that is uh, we've also. That is some sort of direct evidence that that immigrants seem to be at least uh, avoiding avoiding care, and probably indirect evidence that that they are sort of leaving the state. And we we've, we've seen some other anecdotal evidence of this in the case of worker shortages. We've uh, heard a number of comments, including from a Republican member of the House, about how this has made it harder for agricultural companies to find workers. That there's been a there's been a particularly acute labor shortage. In agriculture, and it sure seems like demonizing immigrants and making life as hard as possible for them in Florida has probably contributed to that. Although I will say I, I'm not aware of direct evidence. The the we're just aware of anecdotal evidence on that front. But you know, again, as I said, this isn't all consequence free. Because think about this: if there's a if there's a labor shortage in in agriculture and healthcare, what's the other one of the other big controversial issues the Florida legislature is working on this year? rolling back child labor laws so we can get more 16 and 17 year old kids out of high school and into farm fields and construction sites. You know, these, these child labor bills are on the verge of passing in these final weeks, you know, and, and it is, it, it sure seems like there is a direct connection between driving off immigrants and pushing more kids out of school and into farm fields. You know, uh, like I said, demonizing and demagoguing isn't consequence free. Um, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. That'll uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with an update, um, another daily update. Otherwise, uh, if you haven't already, please consider signing up for the newsletter. Uh, easiest way to find us is seekingrentsfl.com. Um Subscriptions are free; nothing's behind a paywall. There's an option to pay for a voluntary subscription, voluntarily pay for a subscription if you can afford it. All right, thanks again for listening, everybody We'll talk again soon.